Wow. Wow. Welcome back, everyone. That was Jimmy Reed's Big Boss Man. Uh, we've been talking about managers, Managers Anonymous, a support group for people who need a bit of help in their workplace dealing with management issues and um, moving right along from that. Perrine's going to take us to the next half of B-Side Stories. Yeah, well, we um, very consciously and on purpose are doing a workplace-themed show on B-Side Stories tonight. Um, so our next guest is Ross Webb. He is involved with the Labour History Project, formerly known as the Trade Union History Project. And um, he's here to tell us a little bit about who they are and what they do and all kinds of things. <laughs> right, Ross? That's right. <laughs> Kia ora, welcome to B-Sides. Kia ora, thanks for having me. Um, so, how, what is the Labour History Project? Um, so we're basically an organisation of uh, historians, trade unionists, archivists, activists, filmmakers, all sorts of people who are involved in or are dedicated to researching, recording and preserving labour history in Aotearoa. So it's um, it's labour history broadly defined, so working class history, labour history, um, the history of dissent and protest, oh, okay. and in the kind of tradition of people's history or history from the bottom up. Yeah. Right. And um, how did you get involved in the Labour History Project or more broadly in labour history? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not quite sure. When I was in... High school, my history teacher gave me um, Howard Zinn's People's History of the United States and a couple of Billy Bragg tapes. So that was my first kind of <laughs> um, introduction to labour history. Um, and then later on at university, studying New Zealand history and US history and um, just being taught by really great kind of labour historians and activists who got me interested in the topic. Hmm. And so could what is it kind of that inspires you or keeps you going back to labour history? Um, I think for everybody in the trade union, or the, sorry, the labour history project, um, it's the kind of idea that it's a history that's kind of um, politically engaged history. It's, you know, that's why labour historians are excited by labour history is because it engages with politics and the present and... Um, yeah, I think that's the main reason. Mm, so yeah. it's still relevant now. Mm. And so um, you did your master's on a, a quite a topical um, labour history project? Mm, so on... I did my master's um, thesis at Auckland University on freezing workers in New Zealand um, from the in the 70s and the 1980s, and that was a kind of period of... Um... So people who worked in the meatworks, sorry. Yeah, sorry, yeah. people who worked in the meatworks um, across the country, which were major kind of centres of, of work in, in provincial towns um, yeah. across the country. And they. the reason I was interested in it was because the, the year before I started, it was 2012, and meatworks across the country had been locked out at Tally's AFCO plants. So it got me thinking about the history of that union and those wor that workforce. Um, and it was during the 70s that there was a real kind of upturn in militancy and strikes and um, wildcat strikes and... Um, what? Sorry, did you say wildcat, wildcat strikes? strikes. What's wildcat, that? Wildcat strike is a strike that doesn't have the sanction of the union or is, and is done illegally. Ah. Um, so basically you're walk, walking off the job. Tools yeah. down. Um, and then that period of, of militancy was followed by a massive kind of employer offensive and, and um, structural changes in the economy that really 
weakened um, the Freezing Workers Union and, and also um, resulted in the closure of factories across the country. And thousands and thousands of freezing workers lost their jobs. So I was writing about that period. It was kind of the rise and fall of the Freezing Workers Union. Yeah. Mm. Wow. And it's an ongoing kind of story, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So back to the project for a bit, um, the Labour History Project. Um, how long has the organisation or the project been going for? So it um, turned 30 years old oh, last year. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was established in 1987 and it was kind of, um, it was called the Trade Union History Project back then, which was um, reflected its interest in trade unions um, and, and as institutions, whereas today the Labour History Project reflects a broader definition, which is focused on labour, working class history, people's history. Um, and it was initially had some state funding. I'm not quite sure of the early history of it, but it was it was an organisation that was kind of emerged in that crisis period of the late 80s um, where unions were on the defensive, um, factories were closure, closing. Um, you know, there was a real sense that we needed to document labour history and, mm. and there was growing interest and um, some of the key books of labour history, uh, key kind of texts were published around then. So Eric Olson's The Red Feds, which is a history of the New Zealand Federation of Labour. Um, but since 1991, it's lost its state funding and so it's relied on volunteer resources, donations, and the occasional publishing grant for books that we produce. Mm. Um, but it was after 2008 we changed the name to the Labour History Project, yeah, to reflect that different kind of focus. Yeah. So what's the kind of um, what kind of roles for volunteers are they doing? Like, what's your involvement in the project? Um, so I'm part of the Labour History Committee, which is a group of um, about 15 people, and we kind of organise most of the events and we. Um, you know, make the decisions and all that, but we've got 150 or so individual and institutional subscribers. Um, so what kind of institutions? Uh, trade unions, um, yeah. uh, libraries, universities. Um, I actually, yeah, don't know what else. But yeah, that would be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the committee is basically made up of a group of, as I said, archivists, trade unions, trade unionists, activists, um, historians, and we've got really great people on the um, com on the committee. So we've got just the two examples. We've got Sibel Locke, who's a um, university lecturer, living wage activist, and she's written a fantastic book, Workers in the Margin, which is a um, history of union radicals in the post-war period. Um, another mm -hmm. person we've got is Russell Campbell, who's a uh, yeah, long-time documentary filmmaker who's made um, films about the suppression of dissent in World War II, uh, he made a film about timber workers in the 70s um, and their kind of struggle for democracy in the union. Um, we've got Jared Davidson, who's, who's got a book coming out soon, um, about censorship during World War I. And Jared's also a, um, a very good designer, so he actually designs our bulletins that we release ah, okay. um, three times a year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it sounds like, as well as being something that you are passionate about is probably a great opportunity for younger or emerging labour historians like yourself to um, soak up some some gems from the old hands. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's really great working alongside those kind of people. Yeah, yeah. your heroes, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you mentioned the bulletin mm. that comes out. Um, who does that go to and what kind of things does it cover? So it's sent out to all our subscribers. Um, 
uh, all our members, and it's a collection of um, articles that people can submit. It's got um, an editorial and chairs report at the beginning of each one to discuss what activities the Labour History Project is undertaking, and it's um, got book reviews, um, reviews of um, exhibitions, uh, we've got one coming out about a review of a walking tour, the Radical Wellington walking tour. So that's oh, I've heard about those. Month. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the idea with the bulletin now is that we've started to kind of engage with um, unions a bit more to see what kind of issues they want to see in the bulletin. Um, so last year, our final bulletin, each November bulletin, is going to be based on a particular issue. So the last one was based on the issue of precarious work in, mm. in New Zealand. Um, and just a question on that. Yeah. Is precarious work, is that kind of a growing phenomenon? Like when I think of precarious work, I think of it as being more modern and um, that's the end of my question. <laughs> so do you mean is, is, it, is it just a contemporary phenomenon? How or? contemporary is it and how historical? Yeah, I mean... The, the bulletin on precarious work has articles based on, um, you know, it's got an article by Jared Davidson looking at early histories of kind of anti-work tradition, so resisting the idea of its work itself. And then we've got articles on, um, you know, Bill Bill Rosenberg presi- provides a piece on the kind of state of precarious work today and what, what it looks like and how many people can be kind of defined as being under, the, uh, you know, pre- the precariat. Mm. How, yeah, can you just give a bit of a... Um how you kind of define precarious work or what it includes? So it's work that's kind of non-standard um, work that, that doesn't basically provide enough um, to sustain a person. You know, it's not, there's no kind of security in the work. Mm. Um, so it's yeah. all that stuff like the, when those fast food companies were starting to adopt those the zero-hour contracts, yeah, zero hour when, contracts without guaranteeing any work for the employees That's in right. each week, but expecting them to be on call. Mm. Yeah. So in, in terms of being a historical phenomenon, I think, um, I mean, precarious work has always existed, um, mm. and there's there's lots of examples of that, but it's becoming, you know, increasingly so. Um, right, yeah. And I think it's the result of the kind of the erosion of um, the role of trade unions, um, the kind of decline of, of those kind of old manufacturing jobs where you could get, um, secure work, and the growth of kind of um, service sector work as well. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, okay, you were talking no. about how the issue was on precarious work. Um, oh, I guess the, just to talk about some of the other, other articles that appear, just to give an example from yeah. one of the bulletins, um, I wrote a piece on the fight against precarious work at AFCO Wairoa. So I spent um, a week in Wairoa on the, in, on the East Coast, uh, on, in Hawke's Bay, um, up the coast interviewing meat workers at Tally's AFCO who are still engaged in a, in a long going, ongoing industrial dispute basically over the issues of, of security of work and seniority for um, people who have worked there for you know, up to 30 years. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what's happening up there now? Is that still ongoing? or? Um, so... It, it began with a lockout in 2012 um, and then ongoing kind of legal action uh, and the company, Tally's AFCO, have been um, kind of appealing each decision as it comes out. It's gone all the way to the Supreme Court and the Meat Workers Union have won their case. 
Um, so that's as far as it's gone in the courts. Um, in terms of the local worksite, the union still has issues over access to the worksite. Um, union representatives and delegates being targeted. Um, and towns like Wairua have kind of been you know, severely affected by disputes like this. It's kind of torn the town apart. Yeah. Because people are on opposing sides or? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, for some of those workers, they were locked out for, um, you know, three months at a time. So. And what do you do then? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mm. Mm. Um, so you've got the bulletins, mm. and then um, you also do seminars and conferences? Yeah. Um, so we last year we um, worked with the Stout Centre to um, organise a conference called Dissent, and that was a conference that was in response to the kind of all the publicity around World War One and the commemorations, you know, with the hundredth anniversary. Oh man, did I yeah. get sick of yeah. that? So it was. A I kind dissented. Of, yeah, it was a kind of answer to that, and um, we had a conference for a couple of days on, you know, people who resisted, um, you know, the war, um, Maori who resisted the war, trade unionists, socialists, um, and it was it was basically a conference to challenge the the narrative about around World War One. The last thing, we, last event we organised was the Rona Bailey lecture, which we do biannually, um, and it's in honour of Rona Bailey, who was a um, communist. Um, she was also involved in modern dance and theatre, and what she kind was, of time are we talking? Um, since the fifties, right? Um, and she, I think I'm right on that. I'm <laughs> check, but um, I wasn't alive, obviously. But um, <laughs> she, she was also a founding member of the Labour History. Project oh, when it was okay. the trade, so we hold that um, talk in her honour every two years. Yeah. And the, our last speaker was um, Therese O'Connell, who's a um, long-time activist, feminist, anti-Vietnam War protester. She was in the Springbok tour, anti-Springbok tour protests. Um, she's also been involved in the Clerical Workers Union and the Federation of Labour, and she did a talk um, called uh, Stories and Songs, which was she kind of talked about her personal history and then. Um, sang songs with um, her group, which are called the Full Time Feisty Feckin' Feminists. I think that's right. I need to. I think it's the right order. Um, <laughs> and they and so she talked about the importance of of song to political struggle. And so it was a really great kind of talk. A huge crowd, um, very funny um, talk as well. But you know, it had some had some serious moments too, including um, the fact that she looked through. She requested her surveillance her SIS file. Um, which included a lot of information about her that she had forgotten herself, and ah. she and it and it was, I mean, it was quite funny the way she described it. But there were some serious things in it. So, um, for example, they spent about, I think twenty years surveilling her, um, and a lot of the file is them describing her weight, and um, how she looks, and how she like the kind of words she uses, and um, just kind of really arbitrary. <laughs> crap really and it right. really shows the kind of absurdity and the abuse of power sounds like um, the paparazzi yeah yeah so that that was quite interesting and and she it was quite funny in some way cases but um yeah so that like was the last talk. comic yeah so that um that was the last talk. And, and trace um is also a member of the um committee now as well so 
Mm. So to be a member of the um, or, or a, yeah, a member of the Labour History Project, do you need to be like a um, academic, or can you just have an interest in Labour history? What's yeah, just um, just it, it's basically just out of interest. If you want to commit your time, you're mm. voluntarily to promoting Labour history, mm. then anybody's welcome. Yeah, and there's an <laughs> and you, annual fee. Yeah, so it's um, a thirty dollar fee um, every year, and you get uh, digital copies of the bulletin, and you know news on um, um, events that are coming up. Yeah, yeah. Mm, and you've got a stack of books here that yeah, um, so, sorry the that the listeners won't be able to see. But um, any good reads that you want to recommend? Yeah, so this is something we also do, which I think is the most um, the thing that got me into the Labour History Project was, you know, reading these books um, before I got involved. Um, and so out of some of these conferences that we've hold, held, um, we've produced publications. So in, in 2001, there was a conference on the 1951 waterfront lockout, which is, you know, a major event in New Zealand history. Um, and the, that was when wharf workers were lo- locked in- out of work and the, the, the national government, um, introduced a state of emergency, made it illegal to support striking work or locked out workers and their families. Um, yeah, wow. it was in the context of the Red Scare and, and anti-communism. And so we held a conference to commemorate 50 years of the lockout. And then this book came out, so edited by David Grant called The Big Blue. Um, another commemoration was in 2013 about the great strike in New Zealand in 1913, again involving um, wharfies, but also miners, seamen, um, um, workers across the country. And this is actually um, a dispute that's that's quite interesting um, for Wellington listeners because it was one where there was really kind of violence in the streets of Wellington. And one of our other members, um, Pete Cl- Peter Clayworth, um, produced a walking tour for the 1913 strike. Um, so it, it's a little pamphlet, and um, if you... Email the Labour History Project. I think we can well, we can give out um, spares, but there it's a, basically a walking tour of Wellington to to see where the major sites of the strike were. Right, and so yeah. you can take yourself through with this pamphlet yeah. and find out about sites and what happened there and all of that. Yeah, so it tells you the story of the 1913 strike while you're walking around. So it's called 1913 Strike Sites of Struggle, um, Wellington History Walk. So. Oh man, we should be handing those out um, to the cruise ships when they <laughs> yeah, that's right. instead of going to the, the bloody cable car. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, oh, cool. Well, thank you so much, Ross, for coming and telling us about that. Any um, events coming up? Um, you said there's a book about to be released, but anything else that you want to mention before we finish up? Um, can't think of any events coming up, but we will be having our um, annual. AGM um, in the middle of this year um, and I guess just if people are interested in joining you can go to the Labour History Project website Yeah. Um, so if you just Google Labour History Project I don't know exactly what the URL <laughs> is but um, yeah it's a $30 fee but it's yeah it's a great group and Good I'm happy, bang to, be, happy to be a part of it yeah. <laughs> Good stuff um, so you mentioned before the importance of song to political struggle and you picked out a song that um we can play out the show with? Oh, uh, Billy Bragg's There's Power in a Union. Yep, and why <laughs> did you pick that one? Oh, because it's a great song about <laughs> the power of unions and 
as I said, it was um, history teacher who gave me the Billy Rag tapes to begin with. So, <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right, thanks, Ross. Cheers. And what that's basically B-sides for the day. So That's us, our um, working life episode. We'll have to work more on these thematic episodes, eh, Sapir? Or maybe they'll just yeah. happen magically. A bit of both, I think. Yeah, <laughs> serendipity is just gorgeous. So thanks for joining us. Check us out on SoundCloud and Facebook and iTunes and God knows where else. And and um, sign up for your, for your union. Just laws cannot defeat us.